Star Wars 7x7 episode 758. Today we're on to a Rebels briefing. We are looking at Path of the Jedi. This is Season 1, Episode 8 of Star Wars Rebels. Punch it, Chewie. It's Rebel Rousing Fun for Everyday Jedi. Seven minutes a day, seven days a week. Join Alan Voivod for today's Star Wars 7x7 podcast. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and let's not bury the lead, shall we? So, Star Wars Rebels has, from the beginning, made overt connections to the original trilogy. And it began with their sort of prologue edition of the initial Spark of Rebellion movie, quote-unquote movie. It was really only an hour, but whatever. Small, small details. With James Earl Jones coming back to do a little Darth Vader thing. And then they had Anthony Daniels reprising his role as C-3PO, and they had R2-D2 appear on there as well. They also brought in James Arnold Taylor doing his Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Clone Wars series. But this may be the biggest one of all. They brought back none other than Frank Oz to do the voice of Yoda for this episode. This is a big deal on a lot of levels, but also because Frank Oz doesn't just do Yoda randomly. I mean, I was listening to, oh, this is a while back, a Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me podcast with Peter Sagal interviewing Frank Oz as part of the Not My Job segment. And Peter Sagal asked Frank Oz if he would do a Yoda line, and he refused. Frank Oz utterly refused. He just said he just doesn't do it. Like, it's not something that... He uses it as a party trick or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly what the rationale was, but basically, like, he takes it so seriously that he's only acting when he does that voice. And the makers of Rebels created a really good way to use him and figured out a way to use him without having him actually even appear on the show, which was kind of intriguing. So here is what the deal was in brief with the show. Now, if you remember from the last briefing, Kanan and Ezra had gone to that little asteroid base and pulled the Inquisitor and his pursuing stormtroopers and TIE fighter pilots and all that fun stuff away from Hera and the rest of the gang trying to get that informant Sibo over to Fulcrum and the Rebellion, etc., etc., etc. Anyway, Ezra had made a dark side connection with the mother of all Fernox to attack the Grand Inquisitor and save Kanan, and that causes a bit of a problem. And so Kanan has this to say to Ezra to frame this particular episode. When we were on that asteroid, you made a dangerous connection through the Force. Now I have to know if you are ready. I am ready. Wait, ready for what? For a test, a real challenge. One that could determine if you're meant to be a Jedi or not. And right there, you can hear an echo of the original trilogy as well, Ezra saying, I am ready. And your mind immediately goes to Luke Skywalker saying, I am ready, when he's sitting in Yoda's hut just before he immediately slams his head on the ceiling. But I digress slightly. Anyway, they take off, Ezra and Kanan do, and look for a Jedi temple, which Ezra is able to find and sense through the Force, and that there is one on Lothal, as it turns out. So they get into the temple, and Ezra brings him in. There are a couple of skeletons actually there, which Kanan says are the skeletons of old Jedi masters waiting for their Padawans to come out of the temple. He's going to send Ezra into a segment of the temple that 
Canaan is not going to go into. They're going to be separated by like stone walls and everything like that. Now, this is way more intense than anything that Luke Skywalker had to do. I mean, first of all, Luke, of course, was an adult and Ezra is 15 years old. So, you know, big difference there. And Yoda, of course, could easily take care of himself on Dagobah and didn't matter whether Luke lived or died in there. I mean, it did, but you know what I mean. And yeah, not the case with Kanan there. Kanan is actually resigning himself to the possibility that he could end up sitting there and dying of starvation or dehydration while he waits for Ezra to figure out what happens inside the Jedi Temple. So wow, high risk stuff. So Ezra goes in and has a force vision like Luke did, except this time for Ezra, it's the Grand Inquisitor coming. And it looks like Kanan actually decides to change his mind and come in and fight the Grand Inquisitor for Ezra or with Ezra, but he ends up getting killed, Kanan does, by the Grand Inquisitor. And then the Grand Inquisitor knocks Ezra off a cliff and he falls down, 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 down. And then he slams awake and he's inside the ghost. And as you're watching this, you're thinking to yourself, okay, it's the same kind of failure that Luke had in that he ended up knocking himself unconscious, whatever, and Kanan got him out of there and brought him to the ghost. But very tricky, the folks making Rebels did a little vision within a vision or vision building on a vision situation and had the Grand Inquisitor show up on the ghost and kill everybody on the ghost and have Ezra freak out again and again. To the point where Ezra finally finds himself standing in front of the Grand Inquisitor again, defenseless, and says, I'm not afraid. And the Inquisitor strikes, but the blade goes right through Ezra as if it isn't even there. And at that point, he has made peace with his abandonment issues and chilled out and been calm. And the voice of Yoda shows up. Big fears have you faced, young one. Yes. For what lies ahead, ready are you? I am. Come, see more clearly what you could not see before. Who are you? A guide. All right, now, I don't know what your experience is like hearing Yoda's voice for the first time in Rebels, but there was something just amazing about it. And I've been trying to intellectualize my feelings about this because I knew it was Frank Oz going in. So, you know, it's not fair to say that it's because it was Frank Oz that I got chills up and down my spine and that, you know, the hair stood on end on my arms and on my neck and all this stuff. Like, that's just not fair to Tom Kane per se, because he did an admirable job, a fantastic job doing Yoda in the Clone Wars cartoon series. He did a great job. So I don't think it was because it was Frank Oz or Tom Kane or whoever. I think ultimately what it comes down to is the unexpected appearance of Yoda in this. Even though you know it's coming, just the fact that it's integrated the way it is and that you just suddenly hear his voice. He doesn't appear in the episode, which was really interesting. And I gather that's a throwback to something that happens in the very end season of the Clone Wars cartoon series, the one that's only on Netflix. But he's, of course, on Dagobah. And, you know, they don't necessarily say whether Yoda travels at all. At least, you know, if he's traveled since then, I don't know about it yet. But they were trying to figure out a way to make it so that way he could still be on Dagobah and yet talk from afar. So he is communicating through the Force somehow, and maybe it's just that it's a powerful Jedi temple so he can make the connection that way somehow. I mean, that seems to be the logical reasoning behind it. 
But there's no reason to think that Yoda couldn't get off of Dagobah. I mean, maybe he has a starship stash. We don't know for sure. We don't know if Bail Organa just dropped him off on Dagobah without any supplies at the end of Revenge of the Sith or not. No clue. Like, we just don't know. So it's entirely possible that Yoda could have gotten in his own little starship and flown all around, but they decided not to do it that way. They just decided to have him be able to communicate through the Force. And, yeah, maybe it's because it's the temple, you know? The temple is like a special terrific receiver for Jedi to be able to communicate with each other. All I know for sure is that they don't necessarily want to explain it really either because Yoda also talks to Kanan while Kanan is waiting outside. And this exchange happens. Master, how, how can this be? Be not concerned with how. No, I am here because you are here. Thank you, Master. All right, all right. So, of course, the Jedi can let it go easily enough, but we here in the real world can't. So, anyway, this ultimately becomes a story of living up to expectations in a way. It's about Ezra wanting to live up to the expectation or the hope that Kanan has for him becoming a Jedi and also not wanting to let his friends down or make sure that they don't get hurt. And Kanan wanting to not let Ezra down and not let Ezra get lost the way that Kanan did over the years. And I have to say, I think Rebels as a whole is benefiting not just from the connections that it's able to make with the original trilogy, but also with the fact that they had six years of Clone Wars seasons behind them as well. It feels like they're not necessarily starting from ground zero with the new series the way they had to with the Clone Wars. I mean, you could make the case that they weren't necessarily starting from ground zero either because they had a whole concept with the clones. They knew they were pursuing the wars. They had all the characters that had been established with the previous two movies, the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Of course, Revenge of the Sith also, but since it takes place in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, it's more about the characters that made it through those first two movies naturally. But it certainly seems there's a depth to the content of Rebels so far that goes much deeper, at least, in the initial season than the Clone Wars content did in their initial season. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, too. So if you think Rebels was a deeper show in its first season than Clone Wars was in its first season, or if you don't, if you think it's the other way around, let me hear your comments at the blog post for the show's episode at SW7x7.com. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. All right, let's do trivia here, shall we? Together, we will destroy the Resistance and the Last Jedi. Last time we asked you who's the only person in The Force Awakens to get choked by Kylo Ren, and that is Lieutenant Mitaka. Today's question, what are Kylo Ren's last words to his dad, Han Solo? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you engage those Star Destroyers at point-blank range, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not the shortest offensive of all time, it's Destiny Unleashed. 
This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7 by 7. We hope you love it.